The reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I invite your uh, reverent hearing of God's Word, and may we all hear in faith. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. In uh, most endeavors in life, uh, motives uh, uh, and uh, intent are uh, very important. Uh, This text this morning will teach us that mixed uh, motives and intent can be uh, very, very dangerous, uh, particularly in uh, the life of the church. Uh, reminds me of the words of uh, our Savior, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, the, uh, the context uh, of our text this morning is, uh, is an internal threat, and the apostles will, uh, will triumph over it. Uh, it's caught up in this idea of selling property again. Here, this text is very clear that it was totally voluntary. No one uh, was told to so- sell their property. It was just not a, a Christian socialist experiment. Purely voluntary, as, as the context uh, exhibits. Uh, uh, but motives and intent uh, become manifestly important. Uh, the larger context is the witness is uh, it's advancing and uh, God is uh, blessing the church. A couple of previous texts we read that the Lord was adding daily to the church. Uh, the church is filled with the Spirit. It's the presence of power. So great things are occurring. Uh, and yet there's a developing uh, opposition in an external form uh, we see that in the uh, Supreme Court of Israel, the Sanhedrin, uh, that uh, is always going to try to unite with uh, civil government, and that becomes an incredibly dangerous force. Uh, false religion, civil government. And uh, we'll again see that, that theme advance. Uh, but the threat here 
is much more sinister because it's it's from within, within the church. Uh, this couple uh, was in the church. And one of the reasons we know that is when they die, uh, men, young men from within the church come in and do as they're expected. They carry them off uh, to, uh, to bury them. So it's, again, from within. I've, I've often wondered, uh, suspect they didn't have tombstones uh, <laughs> at that period of time in history, but what, what would they have read? Uh, incredible reminder. Something to the effect that they threatened the church from within. Uh, and, and again, Ananias and Sapphira are pretenders. I don't even know that they were pretend, if they knew that they were pretenders, but, but they are. They're, they pretend to do something and yet they fall short. Uh, and pretenders in the life of a church are very dangerous. Uh, I'm unlike Peter. I don't know who they are. God hasn't gifted me like he gifted Peter as an apostle, but Peter knew. Uh, some manner or form, the Spirit of God directly, uh, made it known to him. Uh, but it's important to recognize that they were uh, members of the visible community of the faith. Uh, the church is, uh, in that regard, it's always mixed. Uh, there are genuine believers and those who are not. They're just simply uh, uh, engaging in the form without the power thereof. And I don't know who the latter are, and I don't try to discover who they are. It's not really something I can do. Uh, simply preach the word. And uh, look to God to save. And uh, that's one of the reasons the church gathers. In the preaching of the word, uh, people who uh, think they belong to Christ, uh, the word lays their hearts bare and they come to know the power of God. It's a true expression of a genuine faith. Uh, but in case of uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they were... Uh, observing all the things that were going on, and they want to be a part of it. Uh, and that's uh, uh, part of the issue. Uh, when it comes to knowing Christ, you can't just be a part. you got to be all in. Uh, and when you're just a part, and you're playing around the periphery uh, events, like this one here will eventually ex expose you for what you are. And again, that's the work of the Spirit. Uh, not something I engineer. It's not something I traffic in. Uh, simply the preaching of the Word. And here is an occasion that it presents itself. If you kind of play around with the faith, events will eventually expose you. Uh, however those events occur. Uh, and more often than not, one of my favorite sayings from a professor in seminary was that most tires go flat by slow leaks rather than blowouts. Uh, here it's not a slow leak, it's a blowout. It comes, uh, comes evident. Uh, essentially, uh, Ananias and Sapphira want to, f uh, curry the favor of a man within the church for personal gain. And again, uh, that, that can be profoundly dangerous. There's a passage in, uh, the Gospel of, uh, John, uh, 
John chapter 12, verse 43, uh, of men who wanted to curry the favor of man. And that's essentially what this couple is doing. Uh, the immediate context, again, decisively important in terms of individuals is, is Barnabas. Uh, we studied him in passing very quickly, uh, chapter 4, verse 36 and 37. Uh, Barnabas uh, is the context of these two. He voluntarily uh, sells a piece of his property, uh, gives it to the church uh, as the new Israel to care for the needs of the church. Uh, it's an analog to Israel in uh, the Old Testament where people were going uh, needy, particularly uh, uh, widows and orphans. The church here is different because it has the Spirit. It acts differently. It cares for its own. It's an expression of genuine faith. Uh, needs come into the life of the church and the church cares for its own. That's Barnabas, a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira again sell a piece of property, conspire to withhold a part of it, uh, while pretending to give the entire amount. Again, they didn't have to do either. It was a voluntary act. Uh, but they engage in an act of deceit. Their heart is impure. And that's a dangerous thing. Remember the words of our Savior. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Uh, it's a bald act of deceit for stature. Uh, the word uh, withhold in verse 2 uh, of our text this morning, uh, they kept back in the New American Standard, also can be translated withhold. Uh, very interestingly, is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament of the deceit of Achan in Joshua 7. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. But it's important analog to what's occurring here. Uh, Achan kept back some of the spoils of Jericho for personal gain. The problem is, is all of the spoils of Jericho, particularly the silver and gold, were devoted to God and were to be kept for God. Uh, Achan uh, took some of it and withheld it for personal gain knowing that it belonged to God. Uh, he's exposed. I mean, I'm sure he thought, who could know? Well, God knows uh, all things. All things. And he was exposed and therefore taken with all of his family and property, stoned and burned with fire because he uh, engaged in an act of deceit, violated the explicit commandment of God, uh, his heart was impure. Uh, reminder of uh, uh, the Word of God in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 4 that presses us all uh, uh, to, purity of, uh, to purity of heart. Hebrews 4.13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes with 
whom we have to do. I mean, you can read that and not struggle a bit. Uh, but again, it's helpful to purifying the heart. Uh, reminded to us of the majesty of, of our God, that He knows all things. And by the way, He knows all things in one momentary eternal act because of His greatness. Uh, it's not some God that He needs to be informed. Uh, and in terms of application, uh, the pursuit of the pure heart, all of us need to know who we are because the vestiges of the fallenness of Adam are still part of our lives. Uh, we are still uh, depraved and capable of uh, incredible evil. It's everywhere in the New Testament, everywhere in the Old. Uh, David, for example, commits murder just a reminder that all of us in the right circumstances are capable of this and perhaps worse. Uh, and that's why the continual preaching of the Word is so vital to God's people. Uh, Reformed theology, proclaiming the majesty of God, uh, humbling us to purify our hearts. Because those with pure hearts will see God. Uh, there's a reminder again of internal threats. There's a, a illustration of this uh, that's uh, worthy of note uh, by a man who was uh, part of the company of the first disciples. Followed Jesus. Uh, what happens to him? Uh, John... Uh, 13 and verse 2, And during supper the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Uh, notice the devil put it into his heart. He was part of the visible community. And yet he wasn't a part. Just kind of playing around and eventually uh, the devil uh, put it into his heart. And I would remind you that that's not something that the devil can do to a genuine believer because the Spirit's in our hearts. And our hearts are sealed for the glory of God. Uh, but it is a reminder of a tragic man of whom the Bible says it would be better that he had not ever been born. In a moment, the devil enters. Uh, another reminder of Second Timothy chapter four and verse ten. Uh, Paul uh, uh, has a part of his party, uh, a follower by the name of Demas. In a moment, something tragic happens, and Paul writes of him, Demas having loved the present world has deserted me. So, it's a terrifying prospect. But occasionally we see it in the visible church. People desert. For whatever reason, they have enough, they can't play along any 
anymore, so they simply leave the visible community. Who knows? I don't know. It's not given to me to know. Peter was an apostle. I'm not. Uh, I would acknowledge that's only a New Testament uh, uh, office in terms of uh, the times of the New Testament, the immediate followers of Jesus. But think of it. What a great commentary in our culture. Demas having loved the present world. The reminder to be careful about loving the things of this world. We're to love the things of God. To fear God. Uh, walking in the fear of the Lord. Lest we be overtaken by love for the world. And desert the faith. Whether it be physical uh, or spiritual. Who knows those things? God does. Uh, it's a reminder that uh, in the escalation of these uh, end times, that these things will occur more and more. Uh, men will love love themselves more than love God, the Apostle Paul tells us. Uh, another beautiful illustration of this in terms of an internal threat, which is what I've been speaking of, which is what Ananias and Sapphira constitute, uh, second to last book of the uh, New Testament, uh, book of uh, book of Jude. Uh, beautiful expression of an internal threat of men uh, who come into the church. Uh, look how Jude describes him in the twelfth verse: These men are those who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you. Hidden reefs, you can't see them. The naked eye can't see them. The sailor can't see them. If he doesn't have charts, he's going to run aground, uh, maybe cause his own boat to, uh, to sink. Hidden reefs within your love feats. Nautical metaphor. Terrific danger. Uh, when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, Clouds without water. Again, visible expression that they belong, they have the promise of rain, but they come and there's nothing. Carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Reminds me of the time Jesus comes to the fig tree because he's hungry, there's, there are no figs, and he withers it. I mean, who can but read those, but not say, Lord, protect my heart. Help me to guard my heart that it would be pure, that I might see God. A reminder in, uh, uh, in Jude 4 that uh, uh, none of these things, of course, uh, uh, are of surprise to God because He foretells it. Jude 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Long beforehand, eternity past, marked to be condemned. Uh, but the church always has to deal with pretenders. Again, I confess I don't know who they are. I can only judge a cloud by its appearance, uh, not what's inside, only God can do that. I'm not unmindful that the Word of God can lay the heart bare, open the cloud uh, to cause the individual to see himself as he truly is before God. Uh, but that is the function, the power of the Word. Uh, but a reminder of internal threats. The end time escalation 
Uh, of course, uh, we'll bring more and more of this as men's hearts grow cold to the faith. It's a reason we must fear the Lord and have the Spirit in regeneration to sift our motives. That's the great expression of the Gospel. When you know Christ, you have the Spirit. Who is always using the Word to sift your motives, to purify, that we might see God. And it comes again as a purely as an act of the grace of God. You didn't deserve it or earn it. It's simply the grace of God. Uh, he opens your heart. He causes you to see who you are. Uh, he uh, gives you new life. And the response of that new life is you believe in hope. You flee to the Savior for eternal protection. Come into the life of the church by the grace of God. It's not something you can buy. Something of the application of the lesson of Ananias and Sapphira. You can't buy favor in the church. It's not for sale. We don't put up our offices for sale. One of the evidences, the power of the Protestant Reformation, the church of that day was selling its offices for money. That's a dangerous thing to do. And uh, yet I'm not, I'm not unmindful that uh, sometimes the church falls in need and it courts uh, men with uh, earthly resumes to help the church. We need the Spirit. We need Christ. Uh, the continual reminder that blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Doesn't come because we have a bank account and can buy it from God. He gives it purely as an act of His sovereign grace. If He doesn't give it, it will never happen. That He does should provoke our hearts to the purity of worship and service. Uh, fear, of course, here is evidence when the internal threat is exposed and judged. Peter, as God's agent, uh, sees the heart. Uh, in verse 3, he asks Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Why has Satan filled your heart? Again, that's not something uh, Satan can do to a genuine believer. If you're not a believer, you should be in utter terror because Satan can fill your heart. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, the same word is used. Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, reminder of the uh, uh, utter difference. There's but two. Either... God fills your heart with the Spirit or Satan will fill your heart and will lead you to eternal ruin. Two great spiritual powers at work. Satan and the Spirit. Thankfully, in our case, the Spirit is sovereign. Satan is not. And yet, let that purify all of our hearts. Because the devil is about us as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, Peter tells us. Again, the immediate context is most important. There's unity in the community. They're filled with the Spirit and in power. Chapter 2, verse 4, we'll trace that uh, through the rest of the book of Acts. The Spirit given to the church to protect it, to preserve it, to give it pure hearts. In case of Ananias, the Spirit was not in his heart and uh, Satan filled it. He knew the weakness and exploited it. In a moment, Ananias failed and was exposed. The consequence of the satanic act is that he lied to the Spirit 
kept part of the sale for personal gain and stature from within the community. Not something you can buy. It's given by the grace of God. I want to remind you again, you cannot buy a pure heart. It's the work of the Spirit who works sovereignly by grace. So they lie to the Spirit, which is tantamount to a lie to God because Spirit is God. The result is what? Quick and violent. Verse 5. As he heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. In a moment. The account is uh, tragically reduplicated with his wife. Three hours later, she shows up. She has no knowledge of what has occurred. Unbeknownst to her, she is walking into an ambush for which she is totally unprepared. Because her heart was leaky. It was mixed with impure motives. Her heart thought she could buy stature in the community, which is not for sale. Neither is the grace of God. In an instant like her husband, her spiritual failure becomes visible. Verse 10, And she fell immediately at his feet and breathed her last. The gravity of the situation is that neither one of them, and this is the gravity, but think about it for a moment. Prelude to this text, uh, Peter preaches and he tells the congregation to repent and believe. They're given an occasion to act. Here there's no occasion. They have no occasion to confess and repent. Uh, the summary judgment is violent and quick because it's an internal threat to the church. Uh, like Achan at the outset of the birth of the nation going in to the land. Here, at the outset of the life of the church, God, for whatever reason, in a miraculous way, acts immediately and violently. No further indication that, again, that that's the way it's ever going to be, but I suspect on occasion it occurred. I simply don't know. My traffic is the, the Word of God. But you have to kind of sit up, do you not, and take notice at the violence of it and the immediacy of it and say, oh God, help me to fear thee all the days of my life. Because here is a man and a woman who had impure hearts and they will never see God and His blessings. It's really a classic warning text. I'm always amazed personally how little we proclaim warnings from the Scriptures, but they're everywhere. We simply pass them off and take them no regard. Uh, very pointed one uh, in a Old Testament book of wisdom, book of the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. Its context is... Uh, preaching to young men or young women as the case may be. Youth. Youth are in desperate need of wisdom, the wisdom of God. 
Because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. What an incredible commentary on American culture. And you neglected my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will even now laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind. In a moment, in an instant, the storm comes. The youth, of course, have no time for God. But they will have time for God's judgment. Another warning in terms of uh, our culture, perhaps. Luke chapter 12, uh, verses uh, 19 and 20. Uh, A man says to his soul, I have many goods, many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Got plenty of time. And yet no time. God says, you fool, this very night, your soul is required of you. This very night. Against... uh, Way beyond my pay grades, the actions of God. God knows. Sometimes God acts immediately. Other times, uh, He does not. The mysteries of the providence of God. But they're reminded uh, to us uh, to have pure hearts. Uh, to gain the greatest of all gain, to see God. Uh, one of my uh, favorite illustrations in this regard is from another preacher by the name of John Piper. Tells the story of a man who has a very successful career, uh, does what we often do in our culture, retires early and visits beaches all over the world to collect seashells. Then he dies. What's he going to say to God? God, aren't you impressed with my collection of seashells? No, God is not. Okay, so it's not seashells. Maybe it's buildings. Maybe it's seats on boards of directors. All of those things have a place in our culture. I occasionally collect a seashell and who knows what happens to it. Again, uh, oh, but all these buildings were named after me. Lord, aren't you impressed with uh, the buildings named after me? No, God owned them anyway. What does he care that your name is on it? Belongs to him to be used for His glory, the advancement of His kingdom. God's not impressed with our works. Quite frankly, He's only impressed with His own works and the work of His Son who shed His blood for the remission of the sins, the one for the many, and grants His Spirit to purify hearts. Those are the works He's impressed with. And yet, it's also a duty to press us for pure hearts, to receive, to live for Him and His glory. We hear over and over in our culture, uh, chase your dreams and passions. Nothing in and of itself uh, wrong with that. Just be very careful, let's say, overtake your heart. The priority is to come to Christ. And the Spirit will give you a new heart for the days of your life. 
Use your talents and gifts and possessions for His glory. Because you're a steward and all that you have are been given to you. And He'll one day ask you to give an account. That in and of itself should purify your heart. The point is uh, to guard the heart. Because that's always where the battle is. It's always in the heart. I love uh, the wisdom, Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Reminder to uh, study, to know, to memorize, to seek, to hear the Word of God, to hide it in our hearts, lest we sin against God. Book of the Proverbs, a wise man. Give your heart to God with all diligence. Let's turn to that text. It's uh, such a, a profoundly beautiful reminder of the importance of the heart. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Remind you of the grace of God in the new covenant. God in His power says, I'll take away your heart of stone and give you a new heart. If you don't know the Savior, that's the fundamental starting point. That God would be gracious to you and give you a new heart. And He does it only in grace. Repent and believe and come to the Savior. I'm always reminded of uh, the issue of uh, physically caring for your heart. Heart hospitals, heart doctors, all these medications, and all of them, I'm grateful that they're here. I'm not castigating them in any form or fashion whatsoever. Glad for our advancements in medical technology and for cardiologists and surgeons. Just don't forget the spirit of the heart. For out of it flow the springs of life. And the fact that the pure in heart will see God. Every threat, of course, will be exposed and judged and therefore to fear God. Uh, if you uh, go back to uh, the book of Acts, that's uh, part of the response of, uh, of the church of, uh, of the book of Acts that we are studying. Uh, last uh, part of uh, Acts uh, chapter 5 and verse 5, great fear came upon all those who heard it. Uh, verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. We need to be acquainted with the fact that we're to fear God. Have a sense of a danger that's always about us. Have a sense of danger of what it means to play God false, to play around the edges, to think you can buy, to think that God will be impressed with what are your, your physical attainments are in life. A reminder that at any given moment and circumstance, uh, we can fail. Part of the reminder of the scriptures is that great men did fail. David failed, of course, in the grace of God, God reclaimed him. Recovered him. But there's always that reminder of the danger to fail. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. If you don't read that text in, <laughs> in some manner or form, God, thank Thee for Jesus Christ, for saving me from my sins, for giving me eternal life, and for preserving me by Your Spirit. If there were any other way, we'd be lost in a moment. All events would carry us away, either at the beginning of life or at the end. Pointed unto man wants to die. After that, the judgment. So what do some churches do? Not to worry, you'll go through purgatory and you'll come out eventually at the end. Really? Really? No such theology in all of Scripture. There are no mulligans. No second chance. You die outside the Savior. You're in a bad way. Say it to scary body. Full knowledge I can't. But the text is there. After that, the judgment. Always amazed by churches who soften that to their own harm. Let the Word of God stand for what it is. Run its course. Have its way. That's why we're to come to Christ and daily examine, look at our hearts, and feed the heart with the Word. Individually and collectively as a church. It's not a momentary type thing. It's not an every now and then type thing. The moral imperative is that we must be ready at all times. Uh, great uh, reminder is or not uh, from uh, the words of our Savior, uh, Matthew chapter 24 uh, in verse 42, uh, reference the second coming of uh, Jesus Christ. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day or hour the Lord is coming. If you don't know, then what do you do? Well, you're always on the alert. That's the point of the text. It's a moral imperative. It's not simply a prophetic teaching. It's a moral teaching. Be on the alert. Guard your heart so that you will see God. Because God will bring all things under judgment. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. And so the radical importance of our text is the Spirit is necessary for keeping the heart. It's the point of the text. The fear of God. The coming of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit. John, if you will, reminds his disciples of this. Chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. A reminder to each of us. I'll ask of the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. I love that text. He gives us the helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of the truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not receive Him. You come to Christ, you get the Spirit who's with us forever, who guards your heart, but who also provokes your mind to seek, to examine to be alert. Gift of grace. Sovereign grace of God. Uh, another reminder of this uh, beautiful text by the Apostle Paul's uh, last epistle. Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. 
That verse is for you. Spirit is given, given to you. Guard your heart through the Holy Spirit that's been entrusted to you. So that's the lesson of Ananias and Sapphira. They had not the Spirit. They tried to exhibit the fruit, but they failed. There were pretenses exposed. And they were expelled from the company of the true people of God. It occurs in an instant, but it will also occur eschatologically. Uh, remember a number of years ago, with some of you in this assembly, I uh, listened to John Gershner uh, preach a series in Matthew 25 on uh, the ten bridesmaids. There are ten. They are members of the visible community of the faith. Uh, they are told to light their lamps and to wait for the coming of the bridegroom. They grow sleepy. Then there's the announcement of the bridegroom and the second coming of Christ. Uh, the ten who already have plenty of oil because they've prepared for the event. The oil to me being the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, the five have not prepared. They run out of oil. Uh, they have to go into town to buy some. And when they come back for the wedding feast, I knock upon the door because the door is locked. And Christ says to them, depart, I never knew you. Within the visible community, there are such. Again, I tell you, I don't know who they are. I don't know. I know that God knows. But I know it is a powerful reminder of the necessity of the presence of the Spirit of God. Necessity. And vacate perseverance. Uh, five uh, are found uh, wanting. Shut out. Point of the text is purified. Warren Buffett, the great financier in America, profound investor, has a saying. He means it, of course, in the context of the financial world and making wise financial judgments, but uh, listen for the spiritual application. You will only know who is swimming naked when the tide goes out. Ladies and gentlemen, the tide is going out. Come to Christ. You get the Spirit. Guard it. Give your heart to God. Live it. Because the tide is going out. Certainly from the immediate context of, of our text, uh, there are the reminders of sermon of the Apostle Peter, uh, Acts chapter 2, in verse 21. Uh, he, he calls upon them from the Old Testament, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord if you're found wanting. Verse 38, repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who will guard your heart. In sovereign duty, you will guard it and you will see God. Because blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. In reverence and awe of the Lord is an essential you're a pure heart. 
And may the text provoke all of us to that end. And may God be gracious to each of us for the glory of Christ.